Hello, and welcome to the newest EMS Improv podcast, Powered by Gems, where we engage, where we're mindful, and we share or tell our stories. Today, we are with Taylor Sprecher, a transgender EMT that has created Taylor's Transgender Patient Awareness LLC, and he founded it in 2019. You can find it at the website 911transedu.com, and that's 911transedu.com, and we'll go over that again at the end. Um, Taylor, we we met over Twitter. We did. I'm excited and happy to say that you uh, accepted my invitation, uh, sight unknown, and, and starting to do a deep dive into who I am and 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 uh, all over social media after you said yes, because you're like, what am I getting myself into? Um, I knew that as soon as I saw your um, your Twitter page after you liked one of my posts, and thank you for liking one of my posts, um, I, I wanted to get you on for, for so many reasons. One, because you have a powerful story. Two, because you're an educator, and we need, we need education uh, on this subject of transgender uh, medicine, uh, transgender co-workers, transgender uh, understanding, acceptance, inclusion, whatever things that we, we want to add to that um, in our lives. And with that, I want to welcome you, Taylor Sprecher, to yeah, the EMS, EMS Improv Podcast. So uh, you have a lot of stuff to tell, and I'm going to shut my trap for a couple minutes and, and kind of let you go where you want to go. We've talked offline a little bit. And uh, we kind of have a game plan, but at the same time, I do improv and we'll go wherever this takes us today. Right. Yeah. No, I'm open for taking this wherever it needs to go. Um, so, yeah, my name is uh, Taylor Sprecher. Uh, my story begins on July 16th, 1981. Um, I was born a healthy baby girl. My name given to me at birth was uh, Jeannie Nicole Sprecher. And I was named after my aunt who was actually killed in a drunk driving accident by her boyfriend at the time. And so when I changed my name from Jeannie to Taylor, I kept Jean short in my first name just to let my mom know that I know what my birth name meant to her. And I still wanted to honor her in what she named me. Um, I knew I was transgender beginning at like five years old. I remember screaming at the top of my at uh, screaming on top of my lungs at the park, saying that like I wanted a penis, but there wasn't really any other terminology that I knew. Um, I came out as a lesbian at 15 years old, and then I didn't start really focusing on coming out as trans or actually taking the steps until I was about 32 years old. And that's about 2012 to 2013. 2013, I started um, my hormones. And actually what really got this training off the ground was in 2016 when I had uh, my double mastectomy. And there wasn't anything out there that was created for first responders about how to talk to transgender patients. So there wasn't really explained of like, okay, being transgender, it's, it's not complicated. You know what I mean? Like when it comes to patient care, that's like, these are the medications, these are the surgeries that we have. But then it wasn't until like I was listing everything out, then like the second part came with like people are having problems of what do we do if, um, I just started asking questions. Like, is there any 
uh, doesn't matter what the setting is for a transgender patient when we're talking about cardiac stuff, you know? So it's just like by doing one part of my training, it led to the other part of the training. And I've been out and talk about my story. I'm open about everything. So Taylor, thank you very much. And, and I know that now at 40 years old, if I remember correctly, um, you, you've had what some people might say, uh, a, a difficult life and, and what you might say is, is, is uh, an interesting transition. And I don't just mean f- uh, from cisgender female t- to male, yeah. but in all the emotions and the social, social uh, issues and concerns and, and religiosity that, that forebodes this type of conversation or even, uh, or people feeling the way that they feel, let alone being the people that they truly are. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, we've talked offline, but I'd like for you, if you, if you don't mind, to share with, with our listeners and, and your followers um, kind of that transition, uh, that social transition before we get into the, the, like some of the, um, the terminology and, and, and a little bit more of the medical training that, that I know that your um, education points are very specific about and, and we need to hear about. Mm-hmm. So there's three ways that um, a transgender person uh transitions so for me socially like that's coming out to your family your friends your coworkers, and like getting your name changed um on your uniforms and stuff like that when i was 15 and i came out as lesbian my grandmother was very um religious and we were very close prior to me coming out as um a lesbian but then once i came out as lesbian it felt like our relationship kind of dissipated a lot and we didn't spend as much time together anymore so she was never alive for me to see me transition my dad he's always been and my mom other family members like they've all been very very supportive of my transition from female to male and even like when I came out as lesbian also so it's socially that's coming out um family co-workers and then medically, that's like getting on hormones and doing whatever surgeries that need, that you need in order to feel complete. Just because somebody says they're transgender, they don't have to have surgeries or be med- on medications to still be transgender. So, and then legally, um, that's changing your, um, your birth certificate. You first, you have to change your name, like for me, being in, living in Clackamas County was actually pretty easy. So like I had to fill out the name change request, fill out that paperwork and then take it to the, <coughs> excuse me, um, to the courthouse. And then you take the paper there and then you have to take it to a board that's like downstairs. And it's like on the left side of the board, it's like people who are gonna change the name. So people can go to the courthouse and they can t- contest your name change. And if they contest your name change, then you have to schedule a court date. So, so I, I hear you, and that and that causes me some the, some personal strife, and I don't know why I'm feeling bad for somebody that is going to do that. But tell me the rationale for somebody able to contest your name change, and, and right. if there is any rationale for it, and, and and that was a law. Yeah, yeah. So like that's this is what we have to do in Clackamas County. Every place is different. Every okay. country. Some people have to go to an actual like court have an actual standing from the judge the judge will say yes you can change your name no you can't change your name but really what the contesting of the name change is probably more for like creditors they want to 
creditors can go to the courthouse and see if people are changing their name to try to get out of credit debt. Ah, uh, okay. So there, yeah. there, so this is one of the things then that brings up an interesting point because you have, and I've seen on some of your posts where uh, social media, where you make a comment and, and you are the, you are the person living as a transitioned uh, from female to male. You're, you're a man fully transitioned and, yeah. and you're telling people how it is and people that have never transitioned uh, won't, don't want to transition, aren't in the LGBTQ plus community and are arguing with you online about why things should or shouldn't be a certain way when you're telling them factually and definitively why and how right. things need to be done. How mind boggling is that to you? And, and how do you, is it exhausting ever? Or do you just have love and grace for people and hope that they do the same for you? Yeah, it's just more of just like, it, it doesn't matter what your personal opinion is of transgender people, whether you feel as if it's right or if it's wrong, it doesn't matter. It's just like, this, this is what you need to look out for. This is how you're going to treat them. This is how you're going to give the patient report, you know? And it's just about respecting them, even if you don't agree with the, how they are. And I think that that's a, a great segue into, uh, and, I, and I looked on your webpage after we met, and uh, the EMT oath, you know, the, and, and it's just, I find it interesting uh, that many of us have, have raised our right hand uh, to take different oaths and some schools and some employers require it. But it's interesting, I find that you put this on here, the, the oath, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but that basically uh, you're going to uh, take care of your fellow man uh, medically uh, according to your ability uh, without judgment and consider for the benefit of the patients and obtain from whatever, uh, whatever is not deleterious and mischievous. You're, so you're not going to be uh, negative or, 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 uh, or nasty in any way towards, towards our patients. So if people that we work with and across this industry of healthcare and, and first responders can do that in people's homes and for them, uh, have you seen issues with coworkers in the past where, where they're saying one thing to your face and accepting you and then causing strife and, and struggle behind. And if they can do this for people that aren't uh, transgender, that they only have to be cisgendered male or female, uh, is this a humanity gap? Is it a learning gap? Is it a training gap or a combination of all, all those things? I personally think it's a combination of just like everything because nobody's willing to um talk about it and there's one thing that like when I had my hysterectomy in 2018 and like one of the first weeks back there was a refusal in my uh, mailbox that actually had uh, Bobby Bates as the patient name and then there was something in the narrative you know and I really didn't read what was in that narrative and I ended up like throwing it away and I was just like Bobby Bates and I was watching Psycho and how he dresses in women's clothes and murders people. And it's just like, okay, so what they're trying to say is that like, they're grouping all transgender people with murderers. And this was a coworker of yours? I, I don't know who did it. I don't know who put the refusal in my box, but obviously it had to be a coworker. Wow. Yeah. So... so was there something that, that you just uh, quote unquote sucked it up kid and 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 
and and you know took that burden on on your spirit and and on your heart uh, or did you report it did you turn it in so at least people in management could be aware that there was some some uh, hate activities occurring mm-hmm. yeah correct i emailed my manager i mean looking back like i should have kept the refusal but i never did and so but i even told them that like i put it in the secure trash and um yeah, they said they took it seriously and they emailed also tagged or CC'd our human resources person too. So yeah, they took it seriously, even though I didn't have anything. Right on. So did that, did that make you feel better that the organization that you work for, and we don't have to name them, uh, took, took it seriously and, uh, Mm -hmm. unless you choose to, because they, they've, uh, supported you and and allowed you to do training for them. Um, However, however you want, I'll, I'll let you decide. Um, it, it's interesting, you know, uh, and I found on your website uh, where Desmond Tutu um, had this quote and, and he just passed, as we all know, recently. And what, what an amazing human being. But this not just for, for Blacks, but all people that have been disenfranchised and, and hated on. Um, I am not interested in picking up crumbs of compassion thrown from the table of someone who considers himself my master. I want the full menu of rights. Um, I thought that was really, it's amazing. And and what, uh, what, what, uh, when it comes to, go ahead. Yeah. No. So when it comes to the rights of like transgender people really is like, we want to be able to change our gender on every single federal piece of ID. So a driver's license, birth certificate, get a passport. Some states don't allow transgender people to change the sex designation on their birth certificate without having a bottom surgery, which for trans women, via vaginal plasty, if trans men, metoidoplasty or phalloplasty, like they have to have that in order to change their gender or sex on their birth certificate. And so it's, allowing them to change the sex designation on all legal documents and if you're they're non-binary then every single like insurance um insurance cards they need to have x as a sex designation it's not other because we know what it is it's x all right um so non-binary and and i want to get into and i know you you want to go over some some lists um you you're you're a very spiritual person from my understanding and, and just in our conversations and you're, you're a very caring individual you don't get in we don't get into ems and, and public safety and not have a caring heart and we know a lot of times that those uh you know hurt people hurt people and that we find ourselves um that that are in public safety often have had some sort of trauma uh or or lived a tumultuous life and and we consciously or subconsciously um, turn to a life of service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I know through your story that that might possibly be part of part of where you are, but you have an interesting mantra and it's kind of like, there's no need to rush. If something is meant to be, it will happen with mm-hmm. the right person in the right time for the right reason. And you, you've always taken from my understanding, a pretty measured approach to, to this, you know, soulful, uh, has it ever has it ever been heartbreaking to you uh, any of the the transition or the change process in any way? Um, no, 
it hasn't. It's just more, it caused more um, happiness, really. Nothing has been like hard for me to admit it, but like once I was able to like say it out loud, it was easier to like keep talking about it and knowing that like, I don't have to hide who I am anymore. With, so, with, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, oh no, go ahead. I was just gonna say that gives me goosebumps. And, and for people that are listening and for that person or people that I know uh, that have transitioned or in the process of transitioning that I've worked with, actually that work for the same company uh, that you worked for, mm-hmm. um, but might not be as emboldened uh, and, and maybe don't have the social support that you do. Um, can you say that again for them to hear? And, and maybe it'll stick about uh, how, how you finally, what it took for you to say it out loud. And, and it was obviously in your time, in the time frame that you felt comfortable, but how mm-hmm. empowering that was to you. And, and maybe say some words to that person or those people that are listening that haven't heard another person that's like them uh, or, or going through the similar process or feelings and emotions. And uh, you might be the catalyst. And at the end, obviously, we're going to let them know how to get in touch with you. Um, yeah. But is there something that you can say to those people or, or would say if, if they were looking at you right now or, or emailed you and, and you can tell they're hurting? Yeah, no, I would just say just honor your truth. And part of your truth is being transgender and honoring your gender or your sex and your gender. You know what I mean? Like, don't ever hate the experience that you had living as a female. And especially for me, if somebody is transgender and so if it's a trans man, you know, don't ever hate that experience because it gets you to, it creates all of you, your lived experience as a female and also as a man, you know, and just don't be afraid to make that decision. If you're in a relationship, there's a chance that like, they might be supportive or they can tell you that like, if you're in a lesbian relationship, like how I was when I came out as a trans man, that like, they won't be able to be with the man and that like they'll say that everything is a lie in that relationship but it wasn't a lie you're just hiding a part of yourself that you weren't able to admit to yourself if you couldn't admit it to yourself then you're not going to be able to admit it to anybody else and and thank you for sharing that um Mm -hmm. i want to kind of switch switch over here you've done so much work. You've done presentations for the American Animals Association, for the state of Oregon, for GMR and AMR and and local fire uh, agencies and regional fire agencies. You've been on national deployments uh, with AMR, GMR. Um, Mm -hmm. So you've been across the country. You you study and and you're a a teacher, if you will. Um, Let's get into teaching mode, if you're okay with that. Yeah. And I'll get into student mode with our listeners. I know, okay. there, I know there's things you want to share with us that um, if we go over, I think you wanted to go over uh, kind of words. Uh, yeah, terminology. Terminology associated. first, mm-hmm. associated terminology, and then we kind of get into some of the, the, the appropriate medical issues and, and uh, those blind spots that we have because we don't know what we don't know, but are, are too, uh, too prideful to admit it uh, yeah. at times. So yeah, um, Tyler... Let's let's say, for example, right now that um, I've clicked on and I want to take your your class or uh, our listeners have signed on to this event through GEMS and uh, we're going to take your class. So the show is yours, sir. 
Yeah, yeah. So when we talk about terminology, some of the most important terminology that people need to understand. Um, when they hear somebody talking about cisgender, that means that somebody is born male or female, you know, and they identify with the sex that they were assigned at birth. Um, when we talk about um, AMAB, you might see the abbreviations AMAB, which is um, assigned male at birth, um, AFAB, assigned female at birth. Um, Non-binary is somebody who doesn't identify as male or female. Their um, dressing could be fluid. And usually with the states that offer um, non-binary is an option for a sex on the driver's license, then instead of M for male, F for female, they'll see an X and that's equals non-binary. And then um, gender dysphoria is like, you're looking in the mirror and you don't, you don't recognize your body that you see in the mirror. And for me, Gender dysphoria like is going to be different for everybody, but what gender dysphoria looked like for me was um, we were talking earlier, and I had the breast implant when I was 15, you know, and once I started on testosterone, it um, it reduces the your breast tissue, and so my the my left side was getting lower, but then my right side was staying the same because it was an implant. There's no breast tissue you know, finally got to a point to where I took the 18 gauge needles and was poking my breast until I felt it pop. And I knew it popped was when I pushed it in, I pushed the needle into my breast and then I pulled it out and I saw water spurting out. So everybody's gender dysphoria will be different. That's just what it looked like for me. Um, When we talk about the sex binary, that's more like what is male and what is female? So it, now is that biological male and biological female when you're talking about sex binary or no? Uh, when we're talking about sex binary, yes. But when with the um, gender binary is the outward presentation of like dresses or like your gender expression. So gender expression. Okay. that And that makes sense to me. So thank you for those kind of clarifications. I wanted to go to one thing with non-binary. Um, I, I know there's uh, some listeners that have stopped listening and tuned off and ho- hopefully they come back and, and, and have a little bit of grace and humility. Um, and, and for those of you that are still with us, thank you. And, and I, I know Taylor appreciates this because there are some significant medical treatment repercussions if we do not know some of these things you're going to talk to us about here. Is, is that an accurate assessment, Taylor? It is. It is. Okay. So, um, and before we get into that and, and I, and I thought so, and I've looked at your website and you sent me some of your study materials and I thank you for that. And I'm going to keep them and use them and, and hopefully employ them, uh, in our organization, obviously not teach it, but, uh, share that with, with our, with our coworkers, if that's cool with you. Oh yeah. Um, but so the non-binary, um, There, there tends to be a stigma more with that even, or when we hear gender um, dysphoria think, of more of a psychological injury or illness. And, and I'm, I'm doing air quotes because you can't see me and I'm making yeah. kind of a, a perplexed face because a lot of people, you know, they're, gonna, they're rolling their eyes. They're going, yeah, you know what I mean? When they hear that. So what, 
Can you delve into that a little bit more for some of the listeners that really we think we understand, but maybe don't really understand what that means? I think with somebody who's non-binary, the pronouns that they use, it could be they, them, um, zir, which is Z-E-I-R or Z-E-H-I-R and H-I-R-S. So it depends on what the pronouns are, but like, I think people's biggest hang up is using the they, them pronouns. They're like, I can't use not um, plural, but it's been plural since like the 1800s. So what do you mean by it's been plural since the 18 months? I think I understand, but can you explain that for everyone else too? Or is it, I, I forget the, or is it singular? The singular use of they? Oh, I think that's what they get hung up on. Oh yeah, and that makes sense. Using me. they, them. Using they, them yeah. for a for what they're looking at is, is they're seeing in their mind and they're seeing in, in their reality is a mm-hmm. singular individual. Right. Okay. So yeah, and that makes sense. So I guess that that's why that confounds people and, and sometimes it perplexes me. With that also being said, and before we get into the medical treatment repercussions, what if I mess up and I told you offline, I had a, uh, a female patient that uh, was unknown to me uh, in transition female, and I made the presumption um, just based upon immediate observation uh, and, and was he, sir, how may I help you? And, and when we got her into the ambulance, she said, I am so-and-so and I've been going through the transition for nine months and I, I could only say, I'm sorry. Uh, so mm-hmm. what, what do professionals, EMS, fire, law enforcement, those that are listening in healthcare and uh, just the general public that listens to this, um, what do we do aside from saying we're sorry and just is, is I'm sorry enough? Um, really, it's just about um, correcting yourself and moving on and not really making a big deal about it. Because like if you don't make a big deal about it, they're not going to make a big deal about it because they're seeing that like, just correct yourself and move on. It's okay. So sorry is good enough as long as yeah. it's, as long as we're doing it with with genuine uh, uh, we're being in- intentional about that and authentic in mm-hmm. our in our apologies. Yeah, and like you said, just keep moving on. And and I and I think that's what in life so many of us get hung up on things that we literally should have no feelings about and and mm-hmm. and have zero control over but yet we want to we want to usurp the authority of an individual or a or an organization and, and tell them what they need to do and uh that's my soapbox so i'll get off of it um i, I think a very serious topic uh in in this whole thing uh is serious but having the tough conversation yeah uh and getting into the medical treatment repercussions, which one do you want to tackle first? Uh, we can do the first one, then we can get into the medical um, after. Okay. So having the tough conversation, what is that referencing? And could you walk us through that, you know, kind of improvise, if you will, uh, that, that tough conversation? Yeah, no. So really, it's not when you're when you're talking to somebody and you're introducing yourself you can just say 
My name is Taylor. I use um, he, him pronouns. What pronouns do you use? Or even just asking somebody what pronouns they use and you're using the correct pronouns, it can totally change the whole dynamic of patient care. And when you're asking, um, what is your name? You know, they tell you their name, but then you also have to ask everybody, is this your legal name? You're not just asking transgender people. Oh, but do you go by this? Is this what's on your ID? Like when it comes to charting and stuff like that. And really as a provider, and if you don't need to know what surgeries they have had unless it's pertinent to patient condition. Can you say that again? I, I think that's important to hear. Yeah, um, you don't need to know what surgeries they have had unless it's pertinent to patient condition. Okay. Um, so the easy get around then, if, if the patient feels uncomfortable, why are you asking me this? Because still being uncomfortable in a world where uh, inclusion is not our, our, our forte across the spectrum of, of masses of people in some cases, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Just remind them that you're asking for their legal name for the records of, or for the purposes of documentation, not for identification of, of gender or, or identity yeah. in that regard. And, and so if, if we slow down and have those kinds of conversations, um, our patients generally are, are amenable to those, those logical uh, or seemingly mm -hmm. logical uh, answers then. Would that make sense? Yeah, yeah. All right. So and, go ahead. Oh, no. When it also, when it comes to the documentation, if we use the name that like they go by and it hasn't been legally changed, then the insurance might not pay the ambulance bill. And if it doesn't pay the ambulance bill, it's going to cause more stress on that transgender patient from an already stressful situation of having to call them. So as being patient advocates, which mm -hmm. we, we are in EMS, um, and, mm -hmm. and that's, that's something that's uh, instilled in all of us, um, we need to be better at educating and having conversations with people. And this is one of the things that, that uh, you and I, where our trainings overlap is, is uh, you know, a lot of times they're called affective skills, but what were you really taught as far as report writing and documentation when it comes to gender dysfunction? dysphoria or transgender or certain things that uh, we were never really taught, you know, the affective yeah. skills. And these are life skills. These are essential skills. These are mandatory skills that we do so woefully inadequately uh, train upon. And uh, I, I, I'm just, I applaud you and, and, and thank you for taking and making the effort to educate us and, and, and those that take your classes because if we're going to be their advocate, we have to be versed in mm -hmm. the terminology, in the aspects of, of uh, surgeries, in how that affects them uh, medically or from a trauma perspective, in, in injuries and what's no longer there. Like, for example, you, you've had a full uh, oophorectomy or hysterectomy, correct? Yeah, yeah. And okay. I actually had... Um, so I just literally, I'm three years post-op. My surgery date was uh, January 2nd, 2018. So oh, I wow. just had, yeah, I just happy, had happy my anniversary. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I've actually had um, abdominal pain 
because me it was four months after um, my hysterectomy and my partner at the time, you know, we were having rougher than normal sex in the morning. And I went about my day, I was fine. And then at night, the worst freaking pain. And then got up in the morning and um, my partner touched my abdomen and it hurt like hell, like just, I mean, barely, barely, like light as a feather touching. And it was a 10 out of 10 pain. And so I ended up calling um, my gynecologist, which she ended up being, um, having the day off that day, but I saw a different gynecologist. and she was just like, I, everything looked normal. Um, I don't know what's going on. And then she was touching my abdomen. I had rebound tenderness and I ended up going into the ER getting a CT scan and there is fluid in my abdomen, but I had to be, I had to be honest about what happened because I knew that I needed to be treated correctly and they didn't have to guess what would happen. You know, and so what they thought is that I could have had a um, vaginal cuff tear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they called in another gynecologist and I was supposed to, they were going to do exploratory surgery, um, but they, they never did. But also I had uh, inflammation in my sigmoid colon too. So a whole bunch of things were going through my head. So if you'd had the oophorectomy, which you said you did, and, and, and or hysterectomy with the oophorectomy is, I guess, the whole, all of it, right? Including yeah. the fallopian tubes. So um, there, I, my, the first thing that went to my head is, okay, so is there, um, uh, now it's, it's literally slipped my mind, uh, endometrial tissue left over. So mm-hmm. like, were you having endometriosis, you know, but, but if everything is gone, how could that be? You know, so I, I, I immediately went to female conditions, even though mm-hmm. you transition a male or, or in the process of transitioning uh, that, that could be happening now. So is that why it's imperative that we create an environment of trust and a relational environment where the patient feels comfortable expressing this to us uh, judgment free? Because just like you said, you had to be completely honest with them mm-hmm. uh, on, on what occurred pre-pain, whether that was sex or not, or whether it was other trauma, whether that was an accident, uh, an assault, whatever the case may be, right? Um, yeah. If if patients don't feel like they can trust their provider, and we're more often than not that first uh, level of, of medicine that many patients have ever seen as their pathway into healthcare, uh, the ER and then primary care, if they end up going to that afterwards, yeah. trust and relationship is so important. And, and thank you for hitting on that alone. So as you're dealing with this alone, uh, you're again, I am assuming having some sort of inter turmoil, inner turmoil as to what to say, what not to say, what to divulge, what not to divulge, let them just figure it out for themselves. Or where were you in that? Pro- Excuse yeah, me. Pro- with that, like, no, it's just, I had to be 100% honest. And one of the things that like, testosterone which is um assigned female at birth medication that they can take to make them more uh masculine get the secondary sex characteristics of males so like the deeper voice the chin hair or beard and stuff like that you know one thing that it does is that it atrophies the vaginal wall and actually when they took my when they did my hysterectomy they actually found fibroids and polyps in my uterus just from uh not being on my period 
because you were taking the um, testosterone. testosterone. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, again, if if they if a a patient identifies, so I, so I'm picturing you in my ambulance, and you identify mm-hmm. as uh, male, transitioning from female, and mm-hmm. you're you're saying that you have abdominal pain, uh, mm-hmm. and and the first thing to me is if you're of childbearing years, you know, and we know. Uh, women of childbearing years that are menstruating and that would be a first question are you menstruating yes mm-hmm. or no and just because you're menstruating or not does not mean that women can't have a, a fallopian a fallopian tube uh pregnancy right an ectopic pregnancy so mm-hmm. would would patients again if if we're medically accurate and mm-hmm. understanding the process or at least listening to the patient through the process, we're going to help better treat them and then provide a better handoff. Would that be accurate to say? Yeah, definitely. And when, um, when assigned female at birth, when they have um, abdominal pain, we want to be ruling out active labor also. From a standpoint of they may not have known they're pregnant or, or are embarrassed mm-hmm. to say that they were pregnant either mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because now they're they're presenting masculine and they're pregnant. You know, we want to make sure that we are actually treating the abdominal pain. And for abdominal pain, for somebody who's pregnant, they're going to give birth. We have to be prepared for to see a masculine presenting person giving vaginal birth. And for for, uh, people that uh, won't fully transition, don't want to fully transition, but identify as, as male, um, that want to maintain their reproductive uh, opportunities and, and rights, um, that that's what would then definitely happen. Um, all right. So yeah. issues with the heart, are, are there significant issues aside from uh, 12 lead placement and, and uh, privacy and, and all those things that we would afford, hopefully afford any patient that we're doing a 12 lead on, um, male or female, because I, I hate having my 12 lead done in public. I mean, uh, and it's happened a few times when I've had heart attacks, um, mm. but yet they've been very mindful of the same thing that we would with a woman. So can you speak to that? Like, uh, sp- uh, and they don't even have to be gender specific, but for the, the topic of, of this conversation, um, transition specific uh, conversations oh. where we're talking about heart issues or, or 12 leads or other monitoring devices. Yeah, so all most EMS they either have like the Zolex, um, the Light Pack, or the Philips. I know at AMR we had Light Pack 15, and all of them have sex specific criteria to treat um, a heart for LVH, left ventricular hypertrophy, and STEMI. And LVH, um, we would be able to using the Cornell voltage criteria, which is states that LVH is present if the sum of the R wave and um, AVL plus S wave and V3 is um, 20 millimeters for women and 28 millimeters for men. And in order, it, how I talk about cardiac issues about transgender people depends on the audience. So if, if there's a cardiologist that's listening, also like in order to get the correct, the correct access of a transgender patient, meaning the general directions of ventricular depolarization during ventricular polarization, of a transgender patient, the setting on the monitor needs to be sex assigned at birth. Okay, and 
I, I hear you and thank you. Um, and I'm going to have you be uh, go over a couple of those things here in a second. Cardiology, I love, and I think it's very important. Yeah. So, so cardiac monitor needs to be sex assigned at, at birth. First, and mm-hmm. is that regardless of the fact if they're on testosterone and other hormones at the time? Correct. Yeah. It okay. doesn't matter. It yeah, doesn't the matter. Axis, the axis will stay the same in the heart. Okay. So the axis is not going to change uh, regardless of. Uh, top, bottom surgery and hormonal treatments. Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, that. And there's also, also when we're talking about uh, cardiac stuff, one of the medications that trans women can take is a uh, spironolactone, which is mm-hmm. a potassium sparing diuretic. And just the dose alone can cause hyperkalemia. And they're not supposed to even be taking any NSAIDs with the spironolactone. So if you hook up to the monitor and you notice they're not hyperkalemic, or you see they have hyperkalemia, you got to treat the hyperkalemia. So the NSAIDs in, in conjunction with the, uh, the spironolactone, um, mm-hmm. uh, we're more inclined to see LVH because we're, we're more inclined to have patients with uh, hypertension, prolonged use of NSAIDs we've seen in studies. And, and my first heart attack, thanks to Vioxx, a, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory and NSAID, which is what they are. Uh, causes in many cases hypertension, which can lead to hy- hypertrophy, which can lead to blah, 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 uh, which we'll see is evidenced by left ventricle hypertrophy. So thank you for sharing the Cornell uh, voltage criteria and, and particularly for left ventricle hypertrophy. Uh, are there any setting differences required for uh, sex assigned at birth for STEMI criteria? There, the, um, yeah, the threshold for the T wave is higher for assigned male at birth than assigned female at birth. So, so, for that's t- so for T wave inversion or past the J point, or do you know, or is it just kind of generalized? It's just generalized. Okay, so that would be something I could look into and see where that J mm-hmm. point, where that J point would be. And and do you know if that's monitor specific, like d- dissolve? It's, o- it's only if the um, it's like the life pack. They have the University of Glasgow uh, 12 lead analysis algorithm. And the on my website, I actually have a 12 lead of a transgender male. The bigger copy is um, Kaiser's 12 lead that they did, and it was done as um, male. And then we did ours as female. But they were both the University of Glasgow algorithm. And it, the axis of the heart was different from male to female. Was different from male to female. Uh, yeah. When identified via the machine, mm-hmm. because the criteria is based upon the settings and the input for sex assigned at birth. Yeah, sex and age, it already knows um, what to look for. And even like if you're working in the ER and you're using um, a mobile uh, 12 lead, you'll have to go into the setting and change the sex from male to female or female to male when in the ER. So things that I'm hearing and as a provider myself and and one that's seeking an advanced uh, degree, um, maintaining this knowledge is not only life altering as as you have lived a life altering uh, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, we we can adversely affect our patient's clinical care by not heeding these concerns? Is, is, would that be an accurate assessment? Yeah, yeah. And even like 
when you're asking them um, sex assigned at birth, you know, just say like we, if you're having a cardiac event, we want to be able to catch it. This is, I'm asking is to try to save your life, basically. And this this comes down to again being a human, having the 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 essential skills of knowing how to communicate beyond just because book says me or tells me to do so. My protocols tell me I have to, and my protocols in many cases don't address sex assigned at birth versus transgendered versus hormone replacement, all of these different things. So Taylor, I, I see a litany of, of opportunities for you to continue to, to, to train our, our brothers and sisters in, in uh, mobile medicine and EMS. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've talked about abdomen. We've talked about the propensity for, or the possibility for birth or endometrial tissue or fibroids in this case, when you start a uterus before your oophorectomy. Yeah. Uh, because of the steroids. So all these things, when you say, my name's Taylor, uh, and you say, I'm having this, and, and I, if we, I go, um, what is your legal name for, for the documentation? And then you say, it's this, that brings up mm-hmm. a question. You say, I appreciate this change. And for your health and well-being and for my assessment and for my ability to give appropriate feedback. Mm-hmm. I have appropriate care. Appropriate yeah. care. Uh, mm-hmm. and then, and then, uh, patient handoff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, there's also, go ahead. when we're still, um, talking about the cardiac stuff, um, another medication that trans women take is finasteride and that can, can cause that or the step up finasteride. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And it, that can cause orthostatic hypertension. And so when we see that clinically, and as opposed to assuming that they're dehydrated or uh, it's, you know, hot and, and this and that and the other thing, a- again, knowing medications mm-hmm. um, are significant and important and not just the 60 that we learned in paramedic and EMT school or the 120 or whatever, whatever. Uh, we have to continue to learn and grow because I know many drugs that came out when I went to EMT school or paramedic school in 2008 uh, or six or whatever it was um, are different. There's new iterations or there's advancements in medications. And, and uh, this training is just, I find it amazing from a medical standpoint. So what if you have a naysayer, a reluctant, a reluctant person to accept your lifestyle and, and they're a coworker, they're uh, a professional colleague across the country and they're listening to this. Um, at the very least, they should be listening from a standpoint of if they wanna be the provider that they think and say they are, they need to pay attention to this training. Is that correct too? Yeah, no, it, you took the oath to treat all people. You're tr- still treating transgender people. And so really it's just sticking to the oath that you took when you became an EMT or a paramedic or a doctor or a nurse, you know, whatever your specialty is in medicine, you know, and it's not, it's more if you, if you mess up, it's okay, but just don't get stuck and lost in the fact that somebody is transgender. That, that, that's the whole goal of my training is that when you see somebody who's transgender, you're not going to be stuck on how to treat them. You're not going to be stuck on how to ask questions. Taylor, I, I like this. Um, so from the, from the, um, excuse me, 
from the neurological, any significant differences when it comes to trauma or medical uh, on the assessment or, or stroke scale or determinant there um, that, so, that, that you've noted or noticed? Yeah, so um, estrogen can mask migraines, which migraines could be a symptom of a stroke. And so if the person is on estrogen and they're having a headache or a migraine, you know, it might be worse than what they're letting on. And even um, with testosterone, it can increase the risk of uh, CBAs also. So the, the use of, of testosterone can increase co-committantly with other meds or individually mm. or by itself? Just by itself. Yeah. Okay. So, itself. so, so the, the, the clotting factors are, can increase or will increase or are known to increase mm-hmm. with the use of testosterone. Is that what I'm hearing? Correct. Okay. Thank you for that. So, uh, uh, female to male transitioning on testosterone, um, increased risk of a heart attack stroke due to coagulopathy. Mm-hmm. Increased yeah. coagulopathy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a couple questions that I want to go over that, and, and we'll leave them out there for the, uh, for the audience to, to wager in their minds, if you don't mind. And thank mm-hmm. you again. So we already got that one. A complication of tracheal shave is the first mm-hmm. op- is uh, a anterior commissure detachment, mm-hmm. B swollen glands, C scar tissue, or D both A and C. So what is tracheal shave? I think so I know, but go the, the Adam's apple, uh-huh. it, they, um, they will um, shave it down to make it look more feminine. And one of the complications is that test question is um, anterior commissure detachment, mm-hmm. which is the area of the glottis that inter- inserts into the thyroid cartilage. It becomes detached and creates scar tissue. So does that... Yeah. Is that more a breathing issue or a swallowing issue? Uh, breathing, because it, it would make intubation. It, scar tissue can make intubation harder. Okay, because it's anterior, and then it, it would it would affect by scar tissue uh, intubation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, combat guys will necrotize and cauterize any viable tissue left for a graft in ruptured sutures in a vaginoplasty. A true or B false? True. True. That is true. Yeah. So one, um, it's a panectomy vaginoplasty, which is basically the, um, the phallus, uh, the skin from the phallus is actually inverted and creates the vaginal wall and with a sutures real rupture. And so for mine, it's like, what is it that we use in the back of the image that we can use to stop the bleeding? Well, we're not going to be using a tourniquet. We're going to be using some sort of type of gauze, you know? And so, abdominal pad or um, a hetostatic tissue, I had to ask a medical director here in Portland, what would be the better option? Because I personally didn't know, you know, and then she said that any combat gods will cauterize um, the tissue left over for a graft. And so if you have somebody who's having a vaginal plastic complication, we want to make sure we go to the hospital that did the surgery. That's the way definitive care is. Okay. So um, when we know that a patient has had a specific surgery 
and there are complications which could be life altering and or uh, mortality raising. We want to at all costs get them to the hospital for which the surgery had occurred, and and that that's pretty typical in in uh, non transitioned or, or uh, non transgender patients as well. So, but even more so in patients that have had uh, these surgeries because the physicians that uh, and the and the nurses that have taken care of of these issues see them uh, as opposed to a hospital that uh, does not deal with these on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go over a couple more here, if you're cool with that, because uh, yeah, I think they're important. So you did go over it, but I want to read them and go over it again and give the audience a, a chance. The yeah. Cornell voltage criteria states that left, vent left ventricular hypertrophy is present if the sum of the R wave in AVL and the S wave in V3 is what for women? The options are 18, 22, 20, or 21. Yeah, 20 millimeters for women. So 20 millimeters for women. And then... Yeah. Um, the same question, but for men, the Cornell voltage criteria states that left ventricle hypertrophy is present if the sum of R wave and AVL and the sum of S wave and V3 is what for men? And it's yeah. 16, 28, 26, or 30 millimeters. They did 28 millimeters. So 28. Um, yeah. When assessing abdominal pain in an assigned male at birth, um, AM. AB, right? AMAB would be the acronym for assigned male at birth. Yeah, assigned male at birth. We are evaluating for pancreatitis, testicular torsion, gallstones, or prostatitis. Testicular torsion. Perfect. And that's uh, that's um, significant. So assigned male at birth, we're evaluating. And this, uh, this again, is a, a, a person that initially identifies or identifies as female. And you have not assessed or checked, or there's no reason to see if there's a, a, a penis or a vagina because their yeah. pants are on. Um, and you ask them, uh, or, or hopefully they tell you because you create a, a trusting environment as opposed to enduring pain um, without uh, pain relief and uh, in definitive care quickly. Um, mm -hmm. Anyhow, you, so go ahead. You can just ask them if they've had an orchiectomy. And ask just, if they've had an orchiectomy, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but again, these are things that we don't ask, right? So right, we, yeah. we need to become familiar asking them and having those tough conversations. Um, yeah. We're coming up on an hour, Taylor, and I know we're going to have more conversations. Uh, yeah. Do you have enough time to keep going for a few more minutes? Oh, definitely. All right. So I, I know we've hit some high, high points and we've talked about some emotional things and we've talked about family and social support and, and spiritual support. Um, roughly or kind of loosely, you and I have more, more talked about it. But um, one of the things that, that I did ask you before, and I'm going to bring it up and always the holiday season, especially, you know, we tend to uh, ride the higher highs and the lower lows um, mm -hmm. when, when when we're in the new year or the end of the year and there's Christmases and, and, um, and, uh, and, and other holidays, uh, yeah. that, that people celebrate, you know, I guess something like 27 holidays from November 1st on through the new year uh, yeah. of all the major religions. Uh, and that does not take away from, individual, personal, professional, emotional, spiritual struggles and, and talking about uh, mental health and wellness of, of uh, transgender uh, 
patients and providers and our, and our peers, our family members, uh, our, our fellow humans, uh, as paramedics and EMTs and in, in public safety, we, uh, we average about two paramedics EMTs a day, along with two law enforcement firefighters a day uh, that die by suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know the numbers for transgendered and the LGBTQ community are, are two and three, up to four times higher than, than those numbers. Um, what kind of support do what go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no. Um, it's true. The suicide rate of transgender use the amount, um, that people have attempted, you know, I think it, what, when we have a transgender youth and we're asking them questions, we want to make sure we are asking them questions like away from, uh, the parents, because we do not want to out the youth in front of the parents, because we don't know any family dynamics. Just like if we didn't want to out them as a gay or lesbian. Um, I'm I'm looking up the the suicide rate of transgender youth right now. Um, I know on my reference guide, um, I have it right on the very front. Yeah, so 29.9% of transgender female teens said they've attempted suicides. Non-binary youth, 41.8% have attempted suicide. Those numbers are way too um, high. It's like 49 percent of transgender um, males have attempted suicide also. And I think what that really goes to is just not having the family support or being able to talk to anybody um, who's transgender. And, and fear of repercussions from, mm-hmm. from your church. And like you said, your family, you had a grandmother that wasn't really apparently happy with your, your being a lesbian. Um, I, I had a friend actually, it's a, it's a wonderful story. Um, and, and I, I won't, uh, I'll, I'll change it a little bit, but was going, wanted to start going to a church again mm-hmm. and, and the head of that church. And I won't say that the title, cause that might give it away, uh, for the, for the people that know this person. And I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they went to the head of that church, whatever the title would be. And, and the person said, oh, you know, we welcome you back and, you know, you might face ridicule and, and hate and, and these types of things. And, and, and this person said, um, and, and this was a Christian-based church, um, mm-hmm. they said, well, if this, this Jesus that I believe in died for my sins and if they believe, and I don't tend to believe, I, I certainly don't believe that it is, but, but if it is a sin in the eyes of God... Uh, then didn't Jesus die for all sins, including my sin? Yeah. And, and, and then the head of the church said, oh, wow. Uh, I welcome well, you. Yeah. I, I, I welcome you to church. Kind of a learning point, right? You know, yeah. a flock teaching the, uh, teaching the, uh, the shepherd. And uh, so creating an environment. And, and this is one of the things that I know you stress. And, and I appreciate you giving, giving me the time and your passion and your heart. Uh, yes. today is creating that environment where you might be uncomfortable initially, but 
we're brothers and sisters in humanity, re- mm-hmm. regardless of, of political affiliation, regardless of uh, religious or spiritual ideology. Um, you know, we in the emergency medical field, uh, mobile health field, medical field, nursing, physician, advanced practice, advanced level practitioners, um, we are to treat, right, you know, with no questions asked and, and a, a, a sort a short of the requisite medical question. And, and, and in many cases, assigned gender or assigned uh, gender at birth um, or sex at birth is, is a relevant and pertinent medical question. And yeah. being able to articulate that is, is, are things that you will help uh, your students do. So with that being said, how can people get in touch with you, Taylor, and, and get a class, get a, get a lecture, get a conference uh, opportunity to speak at a, at a GEMS or a EMS World or a, a state conf- conference? Um, how can they get you? Uh, how can they reach you, sir? Yeah, so I have an email. It's uh, tsprecher, so T-S-P-R-E-C-H-E-R at 911transedu.com. You can message me on there. I have a LinkedIn um, account under Taylor Sprecher. Uh, My business, Taylor's Transgender Patient Awareness, also has a Facebook page, and I also have a Facebook page, Taylor Sprecher. Taylor, I have a feeling, uh, and and just knowing you for a short period of time, that that I've had the opportunity to meet and talk and share with you some pretty pretty heartfelt and emotional stuff. Uh, we both shed a, a tear earlier today yeah, yeah. Uh, for, our, for our listeners. And, and I'm, and I'm always grateful of, of the authentic opportunities to take with people. Um, yeah. I, I have a feeling that your class, uh, even though it's titled Taylor's transgender patient awareness, LLC, or your, your company is yeah. much more humanistic and, 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 and will, if a person comes receptive with, with open arms and open mind and, and open spirit or heart, uh, that they're going to gain a lot more uh, insight and, and a lot more love and, and, and be more well educated and armed uh, in order to better take care of our next patient that, that, uh, mm-hmm. that is in the trans community. Um, and also well, if people, yeah, well, if people wonder like what, what makes me qualified to be able to talk about this is that I developed the protocols that my medical director, Ritu Sani, submitted before the um, the protocol committee board. And he read it, but he didn't say that I wrote them. He just presented as a general. And they agreed that language needed to get added for transgender patients in our protocol. So we're the first in the world in Clackamas County, Wonoma County, and Washington County to actually have language that protects transgender patients. So that's Clackamas County, Multnomah County, and what and what was the other county? Uh, Washington County. And Washington County, okay. Yeah. And um, so, bravo to you, and and kudos to your medical director for uh, for recognizing the the need. And and when we can collaborate, um, I, I've been told that I'm too smart for my own good by people at some point. Uh, but at the same time, I, I want to be educated beyond what what my purported scope is of practices because I want to be able to articulate things to the physician and to the nurses mm-hmm. that understand or need to know things differently than even we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I can be a better provider to the patients that we have to, that we have to, in some cases, just love. Yeah. Um, 
you know, you know, aside from medical treatments, but to, to it's, I, I call it sheer negligence. Uh, and and uh, if we fail to, to recognize that there are legitimate and serious medical treatment repercussions, and, I'll, and that's the second or third time I've said that, if we fail to do and understand what you're providing uh, to people. And I, I'm assuming this, this has been and will be and can be CAPSI certified uh, for under local or national requirements. Uh, Correct. So uh, starting, I'm going to get involved onto a testing panel with the NREMT, and I've already submitted it to the WPATH, the World Professional Association of uh, Transgender Health, for, for my training become approved by them as a emergency treatment of transgender individuals and non-binary folks. You're, you're doing huge things and I thank you. I thank you yeah. for taking the time uh, to care for people, to care enough to uh, start a relationship with me and, and we're gonna have a fruitful uh, uh, growth opportunity because uh, we're, we're gonna marry up some of the things that we, we like to do uh, and join them together. And yeah. uh, I, I look forward to meeting people that you know and, and introducing you to people that I know that can help further further the cause and the mission of taking care of people better um, and taking care of the trans community um, better than we have. And, and that's not necessarily for lack of desire, but with actual information and education to, to do it to our best uh, ability. So Taylor Sprecher, you are on the EMS Improv podcast. We are powered by GEMS. We do like to engage, we are mindful and we appreciate you sharing and telling your story today. Um, yeah. Uh, I look forward to future conversations and as things change or as you hit uh, new, new balls out of the park and want to share them with our listeners and, and get them out there to a broader audience um, or, or new training or new websites that you're doing or coming up with, please let me know so we can get you on here, Taylor. And uh, yeah. I, look, I look forward to talking with you again. You have my number. Um, don't lose it. Stay in contact. And to normalize this too, um, and, and the way I feel about even people I don't always like and don't like me. Brother, I love you and I appreciate you. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for the things that you're doing for the betterment of, of humanity and for the EMS and mobile medical and medical profession as a whole. Yeah, no, thank you, I love you too. Thank you for um, giving me the opportunity to speak about my training. And we didn't even uh, touch the tip of the iceberg with it. You have so much <laughs> more. And, uh, and, and so we can do it for future times. And I'm appreciative. Take care, man.